This week, we kick off an entire month of reviewing movies based on video game properties. You're not going to believe this, but there are a few, just a few, movies based on video games that either bombed at the box office or not critical darlings. I know, it's so crazy, right? I'm Troy Sauer. Brad Anderson. <laughs> and this is not a bomb. Welcome back. Brand new episode. Brad, we just got done celebrating a three-day weekend, Labor Day. How'd how'd it go for you? It was busy, man. A lot of stuff going on, trying to keep the kids entertained. What better way to uh, cap off a three-day weekend than Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Yeah. Uh, two, Two reviews for the... No. Two discussions for the price of one. I don't want to say reviews. Well, can we say a discussion and a half? I mean, let's be honest. Yes. We're yes. we're going to gloss over Annihilation because it's Annihilation, right? That movie can go porno at any time. Anytime. I agree. We'll talk a little bit more in detail on that you one. You like cut out the fight scenes <laughs> and just put in hardcore sex and it is a porno. Uh, well, I wish somebody would go back and edit it with like the brown chicken, brown cow music. That would uh, that'd be entertaining. So yeah. we we just did a themed sort of month about sci-fi animation, took a break, dipped our toes into Korean cinema, and now we're starting another run of a themed, um, I don't know, series, and you wanted to do video game movies. Why video game movies? Because uh, they're mostly all terrible, and some of them are quite successful. Um, they make money. Uh, usually critics are not too uh, kind to those films. Um, the first one is the case for this one. Um, it was actually quite successful financially. Uh, critics panned it pretty pretty heavily. So um, most are like that. You know, um, we've already talked about one, Final Fantasy, Spirits, is, Spirits Away. Spir- wait, Spirits Within. Spirits, Spirits Within. Spirited Away yeah. is the, is the Miyazaki. Uh, Studio Ghibli film. Um, yeah. And, you know, that that one was, like, supposed to be this revolutionary thing and didn't really pan out. So when we did that film, I was like, you know what, let's uh, let's dedicate an entire month to these video game movies. Some of them will probably be pretty obvious for our picks. Other ones, not so much. So um, stick around for the entire month to see what we do. But uh, I wanted to talk about Mortal Kombat, A, because Christopher Lambert, we get to talk about him again. <laughs> And then you threw a curveball at me last week and said, let's do Annihilation as well. And I agreed to that. Okay. When else are you going to watch Annihilation? Never, right? That is is a good point. Um, So we would do it in conjunction with this. And that's probably the last time we'll ever see it again in our entire life. I've seen, I think I've seen, God, this is going to sound really bad. So I've seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation probably four, four times now. And I've never seen Gone with the Wind, <laughs> but I've seen <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation four times. So uh, oh my, 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 my movie uh, credentials have been revoked and uh, I shall not pass ever again. So did, did you see both of these in the theater? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. 
So I was a little nerd, like just waiting to see my favorite Mortal Kombat character make an appearance. Spoiler alert: they don't. Oh, okay. All right. Well, since since we got two films, I mean, let's let's, get let's into just it. get into it, man. We're we're gonna talk about first Mortal Kombat, nineteen ninety five. So I, I was super interested in looking at these films because when you when you sit back and think about it, nineteen ninety five was a long time ago now, <laughs> which is longer than I'd like to admit. Yeah, yes. which is strange to me. And I don't know about you, but it's I, over twenty five years ago. It's a quarter of a century ago. <laughs> it is. And I find it interesting now to go back and look at films from the 90s. I mean, the 80s have this, uh, I don't know, practical effects for special effects. They can be very cheesy, cornballish. I mean, they're, they're a lot of fun. 90s, a lot of studios are, are dipping their toes into, you know, computer-generated graphics. And they're trying to, you know, do this blend between practical effects and CGI and uh, I got to say, the 90s are probably, especially for action movies, science fiction, horror. I, I don't know how you feel. I, there are some gems out there, but I feel like the 90s are more, in genre films, more misses than hits. However, I do think like independent films and some of the dramas and, you know, the, the Tarantino type yeah. movies were, were fantastic and, and revolutionized cinema. But man, if you were a, a science fiction um, fan or horror fan, or, you know, we've talked about some of the animated stuff, the stuff that's coming out in the nineties, it's, it's kind of rough. Yeah. That period from like 94 to 99 was pretty rough. Cause you're like, Oh, we could do it. Jurassic park did it. So let's, let's try. Let's, we could, we could do that. Yeah. Jurassic park did it. We could do it. Jurassic park is the, Greatest film of all time and the worst film of all time because after that, people are like, computers, let's do it. Yeah, it, and it's crazy. So I picked up both of these because I, I only owned Mortal Kombat on DVD. And when we decided we were going to do this, there was some four-pack, and it came with the two Mortal Kombat movies on Blu-ray plus Spawn from 1997. And I think Mortal Kombat Legacy, which was uh, – was that a – web series or TV series or something? Yes. Yes. So someone put together a pretty, so you know, when people were doing those fan trailers, they did yeah. a, a, uh, a power Rangers one that was pretty gritty. Someone put together like a mortal combat, but it was more like real, like more like real and gritty and kind of more like a crime drama. Right. I and that. Yeah. I think after that, that director got to produce and direct that legacy, which is like two parts, I believe. I think there's Mortal Kombat Legacy one and two. Um, but yeah, I remember that. That was a pretty big deal. Um, those fan trailers that people were putting together were hot for five minutes and then it seemed like it stopped. Well, do you remember yeah. the they're still do you remember the, the Power Rangers one? Like that Power Rangers one was like super gritty, and then they're like, Oh, we're rebooting Power Rangers, and then the kid just the one kid really like jerks off a bull in that movie. And you're like, what is going on? So, <laughs> have you ever seen that movie? Which one? The, we will do the new one. The, the new like Power the, Rangers? Yes. Yeah. I liked it. We'll we'll do that for this. Well, we'll, I, we'll I like stay 70, tuned for that one. I like 75% of it. I'll put it that yeah. way. There is a bull joke in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Okay. All right. Well, some of the people that we're going to talk about with Mortal Kombat, we've talked about ad nauseum before. On other episodes, I was surprised kind of putting the, these notes together and watching it, how many times some of these people have come up in our conversation. 
And this is our, our second Paul W.S. Anderson film that we've done. But um, Brad, we usually start with the financials and kind of talk about when this thing got released, how did it do? So I'm going to I'm going to kick it over to you. Why don't, why don't you drop some numbers on us? OK, uh, Mortal Kombat comes with an 18 million dollar budget, a pretty modest budget for uh, what's going on in this film. It makes 70 million domestic and another 50 in some odd change internationally on its way to 122 million dollars. So um, this is a pretty successful movie. That's 122 um, million, 1995 dollars. Yes, yes. You know, and so they made over they marketed this pretty well. I remember TBS had like a special on this film kind of showing some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, and that's what got me to go into the theater. So they were doing some pretty good marketing, but this film made quite a bit of money. I mean, they basically used the money that they made off this first one to roll that into the second one. Um, comes out July 13th of 1995 um, opens at $23 million opens in first place uh, beats out things like dangerous minds, a walk in the clouds, um, something to talk about, and another film that we will talk about on this podcast, Waterworld. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> other films released in 1995. I will say, Troy, I'm like nine for nine for these. So um, okay. I've seen all of these, and I'm sure you're right there with me. Uh, First Night. Oh, uh, that's the Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. Yep. I barely yep. remember it, but I yeah. Species. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, nine Months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Some film named Under Siege 2. Oh, boy. Under yep. Siege 2. Yep. 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 On a train. Uh, Die Hard on a train. Yep. Ending in the cupboard. Uh, Whisper uh, of the Heart, which is a Studio Ghibli film. Uh, Babe. Oh, God. Clueless. Babe's Clueless, so which I have seen 47 times easily. Yep. The Usual Suspects. Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home. Kids. Waterworld and the net. I've literally seen all those films easily. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. There's a couple I haven't seen, but it, it, it kind of proves my point. I mean, you, you, you look at like usual suspects and clueless, like there, there are some real gems out there. Uh, but you know, the nineties, man, you, you kind of Waterworld. you get into the apocalypse, you know, action stuff. Ooh, boy. They, they were not kind to those films. No, no, no. Um, Species is another one that doesn't really age all that well. But anyway, every 13-year-old boy in 1995 was uh, very happy. Yeah, yep. they, they rented yep. the VHS probably quite frequently. Yeah. Um, and so here's why this movie is on a podcast called Not a Bomb. It's because it sits at a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 57% uh, with the audience. Um, I will say I think this film has kind of had a – like resurgence in the last maybe 10 years um, with people kind of going back and saying, you know what? This film's all right. Like, yeah, it's got its shortcomings, but it's all right. It's not a 44, 44% um, on Rotten Tomatoes bad. You think, um, you think sort of the reevaluation occurred as a result of the new Mortal Kombat movie that came out? Um, or was maybe, it earlier? I think it was earlier. I think just with all the kind of, 90 so we've kind of moved away from 80s nostalgia now we're like 90s nostalgia um and i think that was a part of like going back and looking at video game movies and saying you know what the best video game movie might be that mortal Kombat movie from 1995 and people are like you know what actually that is a pretty good movie it's fun you know people will always say when it comes to this movie 
it's fun. That's their review. Hey, you know what? It's fun. I, I was surprised uh, it got reviewed on Siskel and Ebert. And I think it was Gene Siskel gave it a thumbs up and he yeah. liked it. And I, I think like, Ebert um, had some good things to say about it too, which surprised yeah, me. Which, yeah, which surprised me. But, you know, sometimes he, you know, we loved Ebert, but he needed to like not be so serious all the time. But um, so those are your films and those are your, that's your information on um, Mortal Kombat. I will be back later for your information on Annihilation. Oh boy. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about Paul W.S. Anderson again. So he showed up. Oh, I don't know. This was uh, 18 last, or 19 last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Cause it was event horizon. That's right. Event horizon from 1997. So his first film was shopping in 1994 and we'll talk about some of the production and development. So the producers saw shopping, liked what he did and thought he could do something special with this property. And so his second film was mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat was such a big hit that, uh, he pretty much got to sort of, I don't know, pick and choose his, his next project, which go back and listen to event horizon. When we covered that, when we go through the details, but um, you know, Mortal Kombat was was so big for a young director, and everybody was kind of blown away uh, from you know the audience reaction and also the financials that you know they were begging him from you know to do I think the sequel, but he's like yeah, no no sequel. no I want to I want to go do this horror film. I think from what I understood, the studio might have not taken full like not interfered too much. I think he wanted to do his own thing. I think with Event Horizon ended up the studio kind of uh, came back and, and and took some of that film from him anyway. But he's not dealing with a property here. He's he's dealing with IP that doesn't belong to him. Yeah. Um. So he's not fully under control. So I think that played a big part in his choice to do go do Event Horizon in '97. Yeah, that makes total sense. And the screenplay is based on the video game that was created by Ed Boon and John. Tobias? Tobias, yep. Yep. Uh, and the writer is credited as Kevin Droney. So he, I was just looking at his filmography, and, and again, this is kind of funny. He did uh, three episodes for the Highlander TV series. So that's some of his screenwriting credits. And he also did another video game movie. Do you know what that one was, Brad? Oh, boy. Uh, it came out a few years oh. after this one. Oh, Wing Commander. He did right? Wing yep. Commander, which was, uh, was that Freddie Prince Jr.? Freddie Prince Jr. Um, Shaggy, Matthew yes, Lillard. Matthew Lillard. And who was the girl in that? Uh, I don't I don't remember. I, I remember seeing, I remember actually liking that video game and pretty excited when they were doing a film. But boy, what, oh, that, look. That, that movie. Is- <laughs> that bombed and I don't think, I don't, I think we just need to agree that it should have bombed. Um, yeah, I always get fascinated, especially when you're dealing with a martial arts film. I mean, so th- this is a martial arts movie, right? Uh, yes, yes. This is essentially it's, it's a tournament film. Enter the dragon with elder gods and special yeah. powers and all sorts of stuff. Yes. Okay. So we, we call it a video game property, but the video game is, you know, calling back to the movies like enter the dragon and for all intent and purpose, I mean, this, this is just a, a, another kung fu flick, more or less. Mm-hmm. So stunt coordinator, you have Jeff Amata. 
he had a 197 stunt credits and this guy's worked on everything. So he's been a part of the MCU, the DCU for stunt work, the fast and furious series, the born series. Uh, here's your rush hour or Jackie Chan connection. He, he worked on rush hour for stunts. Um, you'll love this. He did stunts on hard to kill and marked for death. Your favorite Steven Seagal there. And uh, he also did stunts on a film that I think we both agreed was a perfect film, Big Trouble in Little China. Absolutely perfect film. So Jeff is, I mean, he's very prolific in terms of the world of stunt choreography, coordination, stunt work in general. I mean, the, the guy is pretty amazing. And if you look pretty at- pretty accomplished, yes. Yeah, if you look at all the stuff he's worked on, he's he's been, and he has worked on a movie you've seen, I guarantee it. The fight coordinator is Pat E. Johnson. And I thought this was kind of cool. So uncredited, he did stunts on Enter the Dragon, Black Belt Jones, which we kind of professed <laughs> our love for those two films. He was the uh, stunt coordinator for 1976's Hot Potato, which is the sequel to Black Belt Jones. Oh, that's right. Yes, Kelly. yes, yes. He was the stunt coordinator on 1980's Battle Creek Brawl, which was a Jackie Chan attempt to sort of break into the American audience, you know, because he had that, he had the protector, Cannibal Run. He worked on Karate Kid Part 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990. Uh, a, a favorite that our good friends over at the VHS Files podcast, Josh, I think just watched this one, Showdown in Little Tokyo from 1991. He was a stunt, yep, stunt coordinator for that. Batman and Robin in 1997. He was a stunt coordinator for that. And, um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which we'll talk about mm, shortly. We will talk, yes. And we also have Robin Show as a fight choreographer, not the primary fight choreographer, but he did some additional fight scenes. So he participated in what, and he's pretty interesting when we talk about the cast um, and sort of his background. The music, everybody knows the music, right, for Mortal Kombat? I think this might hold the record for the quickest a sound a title of a movie is yelled in a movie really it's like is that a, is that a thing no i've totally made that up but i, okay. I, 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 would stand <laughs> I mean, it's like you you do some research and you're like oh, yeah i won a guinness they award say for mortal Kombat, they yell mortal Kombat within the first three seconds of this film and they play they get their money's worth out of that song oh absolutely so the music is by george s clinton he, not that not that george clinton no 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 not not parliament um <laughs> so I was looking at the movies he worked on and it, it just dawned on me how many things that he's done, but here are the ones that he's won awards for. So Mortal Kombat, he won a BMI film music award for the soundtrack to that in 96. What he win in 99? Uh, Wild Things, the hey, Saturn hey, Award. Hey, hey. Yeah. yeah. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Austin Powers and Goldmember, The Santa Claus 2, Undercover Brother, which I love that film. Uh, the 4400, Big Mama's House 2, Tooth Fairy, another Austin Powers International Men of Mystery. I mean, he's done so many iconic soundtracks for a lot of these films in like the 90s going into early 2000s. Uh, but I mean, you can't deny part of the charm of this is is really George S. Clinton's soundtrack throughout the entire film. Well, it's the Immortals um, theme song. There, it's by it's called the, the band is called the immortals oh so they, he didn't do that no it's the immortals and they did the mortal combat theme oh, okay because um, they're a techno band from belgium i believe yeah oh okay i'm learning yes. i'm learning yes <clears throat> let's talk about the cast do we do we need to talk about christopher lambert as lord raiden 
can I'm, we please? But, uh, he get, referred to the high. We're into the point of these shows where I feel like we're like, hey, here's a footnote. If you want to hear us talk about Christopher Lambert, go back a few episodes. We talked about yeah. Highlander. <sighs> Lord Raiden, uh, as a French white guy, is is an odd choice, but I love every second that he's in this movie because he literally does absolutely nothing. What does Christopher Lambert physically do in this movie? Uh, his eyes glow lightning-ish. He laughs. Stuff. Yeah. And he does like some eyebrow things. And, and he threatens people with his, his he, lightning eyes. Yes. But he, he laughs a lot. He does yeah. point his finger and, and shoot lightning, I believe, once. Uh, but besides that, he is not doing a, he's doing a lot of sitting in this movie. And you know what? God bless you. If you can get paid to sit on set and, and exposit dialogue, it's well, great. They really should have called him Lord Exposition. Yes. yes. Yeah. Not Raiden. It's really Lord Exposition, which is weird because you've got one of the coolest characters in your video game. And, and don't get me wrong. I love the fact that they got Christopher Lambert for this because his accent and everything else, it, it, it's so unique. So I get the whole, yep, he's he's like the god of thunder yeah, uh, and lightning or whatever. But man, he, you got one of the coolest. Did you ever see that movie, Little Tr- Big Trouble in Little China? That's me. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Uh, uh, so also, can we sidebar for just a second? Yes. We, we're we, going to sidebar like 15 yeah. times so during this thing. The thing about Mortal Kombat, and if you know anything about Mortal Kombat, you will know that when the first original game came out, it was known as being ultra violent. It had fatalities. It was a, you know, it brought a lot of uh, cases to the Supreme Court about whether or not video games were for children. And um, wasn't there you know, two versions? So if you bought the Sega, so the Genesis. Super Nintendo one, the when you, I believe by default, uh, when you punch people, the blood was actually called sweat. It was like a gray color. Mm-hmm. The Sega Genesis because. Sega was marketed more towards the teenage kid and a little bit older that had the blood in it. Um, and so you were getting kind of the, the, the version that you wanted on the Sega Genesis, the super Nintendo, because it's marketed more towards kids and Mario and all that stuff. You got sweat. Um, so yeah, there was two different versions. Um, and, but and the, anyway, the Sega Genesis but, was the closest one to the full to the standing arcade, arcade version, um, right? Yes. Yes. And, and so it was very violent. Again, you know, some of the fatalities, you're ripping people's heads off, you're pulling their hearts out, you're catching them on fire and their skeleton is there. Anyway, it's very violent. Um, it's uh, It would essentially be the equivalent of an R-rated video game. Uh, Mortal Kombat, the movie, comes out in 1995 and is PG-13. Um, and it has very little, if not any, blood or Fate, well, I guess there is some allusions got, to fatalities, it got, but it has the hints to fatalities. Yeah, but there's nothing in this film. <clears throat> again, this is 1995, and so when they released the 2021 version, it was super violent, super gory, super rated R. Um, so you can, it's just weird how the times have changed um, in that. But it's it's funny in 1995, coming off the back of, I believe this comes out after Mortal Kombat two. Um, well, yeah. So you said this released in July yeah. and it's after Mortal Kombat two and Mortal yes, Kombat three was actually being released on October 6th, 1995. Okay. So, so you, you have two of the most violent video games at the time coming out and a third one on the way. Um, and then they make the movie PG 13. 
So anyway, yeah. continue. Okay. No, no, no. That's that's good. I mean, well, I really feel like we're going to, and and I know I can't remember which episode that we did, but at the tail end of one of them, we we talked about Mortal Kombat, the new film. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling we're going to reference back to that on occasion because I, I do think it's interesting when you look at you have this really violent video game, and and there were games already out there like Street Fighter that, um, I mean I, I I really like Street Fighter, yes. This one was an entirely, I don't know, unique and different concept where it was taking the fighting game and trying to make it realistic, but then at the same time, over the top in its realism. Yeah, they were essentially, that first one is essentially sort of rotoscoping in a way. Yeah. Um, They had people wear the costumes and they would film them doing the moves and then sort of animate on top of that. So that's why it has that look to it. You know, uh, Street Fighter is pixelated people. Right. Uh, These were sort of more realistic. And I I guess that also kind of played into why the violence was, you know, taken so, um, parents were in an uproar. Yeah. Because they looked sort of like real people. So that was a big deal. Okay. So we have Christopher Lambert as uh, Lord exposition and Robin show as Luke Kang. So you, you familiar with Robin show much outside of Mortal Uh, Kombat? And that in that, uh, Beverly Hills, is it, which one is he in Beverly Hills Ninja or? Yes. Beverly Hills uh, Ninja in 97 okay. came out the yep. same year as Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. So I, you just know him from sort of the American stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, I looked at his filmography before 95 and I was not familiar with any of that. Okay. You forgive, need to check out. Forgive me. Yeah. You need to check out his filmography pre Mortal Kombat. So Robin show really does come from a Hong Kong action background and to just give you an example, he was in The Big Heat in 1988. I think that's a Gordon Chan written film. I can't remember who directed it. In the Line of Duty 3 in 1988 as well. That has Cynthia Khan. The whole In the Line of Duty series is, is fantastic. Tiger Cage 2, 1990, he stars in that with Donnie Yen. He's been in uh, Honor and Glory in 1992 with Cynthia Rothrock. Did, did you ever see the Black Cat movies with Jade Lung? So Black Cat, the first one, is the Hong Kong remake of La Femme Nikita. Okay. It has Simon Yan. Okay, maybe I have. Okay. Now the sequel, Black Cat 2, we drop Simon Yan and we have Robin Show. It's bonkers. It's it's a lot of fun. Hard to Kill in 1992 with Yukari Yoshima. She's amazing. Angel the Kickboxer in 1993 with Pauline Chan. And then we start getting sort of the American Robin show with Mortal Kombat, Beverly Hills Ninja, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But he is a bona fide action star from a Hong Kong perspective, because if you go back and watch these films, and again, he might be a henchman in the beginning and he's getting kicked in the face and he's doing the stunt work on these things. So it's not surprising to see him doing some additional fight sequences for the American films because he's had that experience and background. But a few of these, like Tiger Cage, the Tiger Cage series, or in the line of Duty Three, uh, the Black Cat series is a lot of fun. But I mean, he's he he's you know earned his stripes, man, from a stunt work perspective. And yeah. in Mortal Kombat, he does a lot of his own stunts too. Yeah, and it, it's also funny we bring up Street Fighter. I believe he was in the Legend of Chun Li, the second Street yes. Fighter movie as well. Yeah, so he was. He had that crossover. Yeah, he's done. I think he's participated in a couple of documentaries. I, I want to. I, and again, I didn't write this down from a notes, but 
there's a there's a documentary out there called Red Trousers, and it and it talks about like stunts from the Hong Kong film industry. So he, I think he did some interviews or stuff for that too. You get, I think that's directed by Robin Chu. Was it directed by him? I, I, I knew think he, so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's a it's a great documentary. I, I don't know if it's yeah. Red Trousers: The Life of the Hong Kong Stuntmen. Yeah, that's the one. Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage. Now, prior to Mortal Kombat, he had just done Wyatt Earp in 1994, the Kevin Costner film. And if you look at his filmography, I mean, I really don't know this guy outside of Mortal Kombat, but he's done lots of TV, still working today, I believe, and um, a lot of direct-to-video films. Yeah, I would have thought, so 1995, Brad, so 12-year-old Brad would have thought that Lyndon Ashby Lyndon Ashby was going to be a big deal after seeing him in Mortal Kombat. And yeah, I thought he was just never, the next Never big really thing. came into – Yeah. Never really happened for him. Hey, he got a lot of work, but – No, it, he's worked consistently, yeah. but nothing huge. Right. Uh, we've talked about Bridget Wilson before. She's Sonya Blade. She was on our show when we talked The Last Action Hero. So that was 1993. She played Schwarzenegger's daughter, right? Yes, she does. Okay. Bad Veronica Vaughn. Yeah. Yes. And in 1995, I thought this was kind of interesting. Apparently, she was a big deal because she did Mortal Kombat, Higher Learning, Billy Madison, and Nixon. She was in all those films that year. Yeah. That's crazy. And she's married to Pete Sampras. So. Oh, well, there you go. Um, yeah. Talisa Soto as Kitana. I only know her from one other film. Do you know which one it would be? Soto. I'll just tell you, it's License to Kill, 1989. So it's the okay. second Timothy Dalton, James Bond. Film. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Lu- Lupe. Uh, is that what her character's name was? I thought so. Okay, I just remember. Okay. Was it Wayne Newton's in that too? Yes. And uh, Benicio del Toro plays a henchman. Oh, that's right. Man, <laughs> I need to. I haven't seen License to Kill in a long time. I I don't know if it's popular or not. I really like Timothy Dalton as James Bond, so I like both those films. Trevor Goddard as Kano. Man, what a great look for Kano. I, I really liked. If you look at the old Mortal Kombat Yeah, he looks. They steal that look from him. Spot on, yep. man. And the only movie. This guy, this guy is trying to rape people throughout this whole movie, though. Yeah, he is. Like Kano is problematic. But anyway. But yeah, it's 95. It's 95. Yeah. If you, if you want to get a really bad villain on screen, then you got to have him like trying yeah. to rape everybody. Uh, I only remember him from other film, and it was uh, Deep Rising in 1998, this monster film on a cruise ship, Treat Williams, trying to oh, rob it. Oh, yes. Directed yes. by Stephen Summers, who did the Mummy films, which yep. Deep Rising is a good film. Now, I saved this go. one for last. Here we right? go. Kerry Hiroki Tagawa as Shang Tsung. 100, 140, 140 acting credits. He, in the 80s and 90s, was your go-to Asian bad guy. Okay. Yep. So he's been in some films we've talked about. The Perfect Weapon, 1991. Showdown in Little Tokyo, 91. Nemesis in 1992. Rising Sun in 1993 with Wesley Snipes, Sean Connery. And then we come to Mortal Kombat, 1995. This guy is all over the place. But again, stereotypical 1980s, 1990s. If you wanted your premier Asian bad guy, you went and you you got Carrie. Yep. He was also in 47 Ronin, a film that we've done before. Yes. Uh, he also crosses over to the Tekken series. He's in, I think, the first and He's second. in everything. If if it's a Hollywood production and they were going to put an Asian in there, chances are this guy was in there. It's crazy. Yes. But he is 
perfect for Shang Tsung. And um, I believe Mortal Kombat 11 released some skins, you know, mm-hmm. for for some of the characters. Didn't I believe, they do it for 95? Like Sonya, him? Yeah, Sonya. You know. They did the Johnny Cage skin. And yeah. then I believe they actually let you have the Raiden skin, which was Christopher Lambert. And then they had um, this one as Shang Tsung. So um, very cool on that. Yeah. To kind of go back to that and. Well, let's talk about development and production. I, I found this fascinating. So I don't know why it was in my head. Mortal Kombat, 1995, I'm thinking, well, there's there's gotta be a ton of video game movies out there already. So this this concept of taking a video game property and capitalizing on it for you know film, I just assumed it had been done quite a bit. But when you, you sit down and you look at it, it was the fourth movie to be based on a video game which is weird to me. Do you know what the first three are? So you had Super Mario Brothers. That was 1993. Um, Double Dragon was 94. Oh, Double Dragon. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, There's one more in 1994. Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Oh, I thought Street Fighter was... Okay, and Mm -hmm. then... And then Mortal Kombat. Wow, okay. So what what are the... Say those again. Super Mario Brothers was 93. Yes. Double Dragon was 94. Street Fighter was 94. Mortal okay, so Kombat this was, was 95. Fourth, okay. Yeah, this okay. is the fourth one. Okay. Super Mario Brothers bombed. Bomb? Big time. Yep. Double Dragon bombed big time. Street Fighter actually made a lot of money. Yeah. Yep. And but Mortal, critically. But critically bombed, yeah. Oof, <laughs> Mortal yes. Kombat, same kind of thing. Made a lot of money, critical bomb. And so and it's also funny, um, just to go off of Street Fighter and the that Jean-Claude Van Damme, who plays Colonel Guile, yeah. the American Colonel Guile in that movie, um, is the kind of the motif, if you will, for Johnny Cage. Yes. So they wanted Jean-Claude Van Damme to play Johnny Cage to kind of bring it all full circle. He declined and then because he was going to be Colonel Guile and Street Fighter. So, yep. Well, that's a good springboard. So there I mean, they they grabbed Paul W.S. Anderson after they saw a screening of shopping and they felt like he could take sort of an innovative approach to the material. Anderson really had no experience with visual effects, but he came into this film and he just learned visual effects by reading, right? Cameron, well, he kind of he lied his way. He kind of bluffed his it. way, yeah. So yeah. Cameron Diaz was originally cast as Sonya Blade, but dropped out due to a wrist injury. And was replaced by Bridget Wilson. And Wilson had accepted a role in Billy Madison after being passed up in Mortal Kombat editions. So they flew her out to the production, The I guess, the day after her last day of shooting on Billy Madison. And um, Steve James was originally cast to play Jax, but he died from pancreatic cancer a year before production on the film began. So yeah. a lot of moving of cast members around before this started. I found this super interesting. So we'll talk about this in detail, but Goro was portrayed by an elaborate $1 million animatronic created by Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis and operated by 13 to 16 puppeteers just for that character. Yeah. So the, this is what's crazy. So Goro frequently broke down. So this sounds like the whole Jaws story, right? Yeah, it's Bruce. Bruce. It's Bruce all over again. Yeah, he frequently broke down and the person person operating Goro from the inside can only do so for two minutes at a time due to lack of oxygen. (laughs) And so they would do their best to to block and shoot Goro in a way that worked around 
the animatronic limitations. Yeah, they shoot him upper his upper third a lot. Yeah, and so they had to reduce his screen time simply because of all the troubles that they were having. But I got I got to tell you, I mean it, it it's impressive. But again, you get this whole Bruce the Shark uh, motif going through you know this thing. Yeah, and uh, especially if you compare Goro to Annihilation, you have Mutaro. Uh, Goro looks much better than Mutaro does. Um, they don't even show that's the female the Goro, right? No, no, Mutaro is the uh, horse. Oh, the Isn't that yeah, the horse. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, we'll get but, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll but get I'm there. just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. comparatively, you can see <laughs> that they spent money on Goro, not so much on Montaro. Yeah. So back to back to I'm the sorry, one. maybe it's Centaur. Is it Centaro? A Centaro. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he's a Centaur. So at Anderson's encouragement, the actors ad lib much of the film's dialogue, which kind of makes sense. I mean, you're taking you a video game property, say. right? Not there's probably a screen outline, but not a lot of meat to it. And a lot of the quips. Don't worry, I will just explain the whole movie. <laughs> I guarantee Lambert probably did most of his uh, lines, whereas everybody else, you know, the Johnny Cage stuff had to be all ad libbed. Most of the cast had several weeks of training for the fight sequence prior to the filming, uh, but due to the last minute recasting of the Sonya Blade role, Bridget Wilson had to do all her training on set, and that's why they filmed her fight scenes at the end. And the other thing that's kind of impressive here is. Most of the choreography and most of the action is done by our stars with very limited stunt doubles. Now, it does happen, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you you have people for as much as they can doing all of the kicks, punches, and everything else. Yeah, and we'll get into it. I mean, it, it is kind of nice seeing your main actors and actresses doing the action and having the camera in to where you can see who's actually doing it. Now, of course, you're limited, and that's why Robin Shu is predominantly in a lot of the fight scenes that are the longest, most elaborate. Yes. Is because he's obviously the best at it. So you're going to use him um, as kind of your your linchpin for the whole fighting stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's got the experience. He he worked in the yep. industry that pretty much pushed action choreography to the limits. So yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 we'll talk about it, but it really adds to I don't know the uniqueness of the film. Now, now you touched on this because they wanted to have a PG-13 rating uh, while staying as close as possible to the video game. The producers proactively talked to the ratings board to learn all of the precise limitations of the rating and really attempted to sort of optimize the amount of violence and foul language in the film within those limitations. So, for instance, they learned that PG-13 rating forbids on-screen death, right? But only of human characters. So yeah, non-human they, characters you can kill. Yeah, so they had all the deaths of non-humans take place on screen, which I think that's kind of funny. Uh, art art doesn't die on screen. I guess he just gets his soul sucked. So yeah, that, I think I think he just kind of falls over. Yeah, you you see art. you see after uh, art. art. You know that Mortal Kombat character art, art. Do they have an Art Lean Mortal Kombat? Like you can play Art Lean, and more. I would want to play Art Lean. Is that his last name, Lean? Art Lean. Wow. Yeah. I. You know what? The Mortal Kombat series, for one of the things it does, is very self-referential and self-aware. I'm assuming at some point in time, Art has made his way back into. The video games. Yeah. If anybody knows this, please let me know because I want to go back and play whatever version of Mortal Kombat that has Art Lean. He he's my go-to guy now. 
art. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, there's no, there's nothing really wonky. I would say behind the scenes on this. Um, I think the original creators of the video game, when the producers came to them and they're saying, Hey, we want to turn this into a movie. The, the creators are like, ah, this won't work on the big screen. They finally get the rights to it. And, you know, they made this film in between Mortal Kombat two and three production went pretty smooth. Now, some people got hurt on set. Yeah, there were some injuries, obviously. Yeah, bruised ribs, stuff like that. But, you know, nobody died. Uh, <laughs> you don't hear this squabble behind the scenes of, you know, directors, producers not getting along. Seems like everything worked well for the most part. And New Line Cinema, when when they saw the test footage of this, really thought they had a big hit on their hands. And so I think originally it was supposed to have like a May release date, but they pushed it back to August because they really wanted to sell it as a summer film. And yep. obviously yep. that was the smart thing to do because you keep in mind, in 1995, the summer movie season really didn't start till the end of May, beginning of June. It was June, July, August. Yeah, th those months. are the three months. Now, now today it starts in April. <laughs> starts in April. But back in 1995, your summer movie se season you might get away with Memorial Day, but it but it really your prime spots were like June first through the end of August. Yeah, it was when the kids literally were out of school. Yeah. So, Brad, you picked our series. You you kicked it off with Mortal Kombat. So you know you got to revisit it. How many times have you seen Mortal Kombat? Do you know? You know, way too much than I would like to admit. Um, I I really like Mortal Kombat, the video game. I for a long time exclusively played fighting games. Um, I played Street Fighter and made money <laughs> at doing it. Um, so, and Street Fighter was always one that was a little less serious for me. Um, so I liked the mythos. I think the mythos of the characters in Mortal Kombat is way more interesting than Street Fighter. Um, the whole Enter the Dragon aspect. I mean, they literally for this movie and for kind of that first movie, take Enter the Dragon. It's a tournament. If, you know, if the bad guys win, they get kind of control of Earth Realm and, and all that stuff. You know, this movie is pretty, again, we're going to say it's fun. It, it is a fun movie. Like, it has a lot of problems. Uh, Christopher Lambert explains the whole plot of the film. Um it uh, has a character that literally her only motivation is to find another character. That's the female character in this film is only used because the bad guy thinks if he challenges her and beats her because she's a woman that they can win Mortal Kombat. You know, there's a scorpion spear opens up and has a mouth for some reason. Uh, Goro, for all the money they spent, looks kind of janky now. Um, the attempt, I, I applaud them for the attempt, but... Uh, doesn't really hold up too well, but um, some of the action scenes are pretty fun. You know, they're nothing, nothing that I would say, Hey, if you like really cool choreography and really elaborate fight scenes, go watch mortal Kombat. but they are decent enough to kind of get you to the next kind of movement of the film. I, I can't explain to you why I like this movie so much. I just do. Um, it's just one of those movies when I was, 12 and 13 and I was finally getting the internet at my house. Mortal Kombat movie was the only thing I cared about for <laughs> a long time. And, uh, you know, I was able to talk to my parents into letting me go. Um, they took the two friends, my mom 
thankfully did the smart thing, bought our tickets and said, I'll be back in two hours to pick you up. You don't think she would no like this? Uh, you know, my mom for all of her, uh, pleasantries and her kind of always saying, no, that was fine. I could see her not enjoying this one very much. And I don't blame her. Um, it's a stupid fighting game movie. Um, you know, I think Shang Soon could have been like the whole premise of Shang Soon as a bad guy was always kind of changing who he was. He would always take form of other characters. He literally does this once in front of Liu Kang, and Liu Kang gets confused. You're like, dude, you just saw Shang Tsung turn into <laughs> oh, yeah, your we'll dead talk about brother. That. Yeah. Don't be confused that that might be your brother. Come on, dude. Um, yeah. So there are some moments like that. You're like, uh, I, I can't believe that that was the choice they made. Um, but again, hey, it's fun. And I, I love watching this movie. We'll talk about Annihilation. We'll also talk about the 2021. I think... <laughs> For some reason, I feel like I'm one of the only people in the world that likes the 2021 version. I love it a lot. Again, that I- surprises. I, and I'll, I'll here. Here's why. So when that thing came out, and I was excited for it because I loved the trailer to it. Uh-huh. And when you said, "Hey, let's talk about it at the end of doing an episode," I'm like, "Well, that's perfect." Because after I walked away from that film, I don't know if I, I had a lot to say about it. Other than, okay, I appreciate what they were doing in terms of trying to recreate some of the fatalities and what they brought from the video game into the film. And there were some characters I liked about it uh, in terms of performance. The action choreography, when you could see it outside of the editing, Mm -hmm. was pretty good in some spots. And I I think I liked a little... I, I definitely liked the back end more than I liked the front end of that film. But I well the, that first that first like ten minutes the scorpion stuff at the very beginning I thought was great yeah well and that's and that's the thing is I love that but between the this new twenty twenty one version versus that twenty twenty animated I could sit and talk about the the animated film oh, that Scorpion's they did yeah. all day long because I yeah. thought that was fantastic whereas the twenty twenty one film it, it was a fifteen minute conversation maybe yeah. Uh, I, I really like it. I like it a lot. I've seen it a few times now, just kind of having it on in the background. Um, I'm, I'm like curious it. to go. Anyway. Watch, I want to go watch it again because I liked it, but I'm also afraid that if I go back and watch it again, I, I think I saw it twice so far, but I, I would like, you know, the full 4k experience, Dolby Atmos, yeah. all of that and, and see what I, what I think of it. I still was really upset that they added a brand new character for the film versus, I mean, you, if you play those video games, they have so many interesting, fun-looking characters they could have brought well, that in. Well, the, the problem with that is if you have the one character like Liu Kang be the the best, you know, the winner, everyone who's not Liu Kang, if your favorite character is not Liu Kang, then you kind of feel, well, I kind of got cheated. So if you make up Cole, like Art, <laughs> but you have Cole, then you you can kind of say, well, they made that character for the movie – and my character does this and this and this, and it's fine. But, you know, Cole is just here for the movie or whatever. So well, I get I, why they do that. He was but. he was the way to get the newcomers in so that you could understand what was going on. The way, Yeah, yeah. Because they had all, to explain – they explained everything to Cole, which yes. he's like just a cipher for the audience. But anyway. So with, with Raiden, he's, he's, I guess, the narrative trait <laughs> yes, that is, yes. that is getting, yes. getting you all the plot and story. But 
I almost had the same feeling walking into this one. Uh, hey, I saw it in 95. I was a year outside of college. I remember really falling in love with it then. But it was always one of those films where I was a little bit, I haven't seen it in over a decade. Really? Yeah. And I was worried about coming back to it because of everything that we talked about with films from the 90s, right? So there, especially in this genre, there are more misses than hits. And truth be told, I've probably seen movies like The Perfect Weapon and Showdown in Little Tokyo way more than I've seen this one. But that's simply because I know that the action choreography is better in those films than they are in Mortal Kombat. At least I kind of thought that way. So here's the thing. Okay, ignore the wonky special effects and Bridget Wilson's acting. And like you said, this is a really fun action film. And I forgot about that aspect of it, like how much fun it is. Pay attention to the wonky special effects and Bridget Wilson's acting. And I think you have one of the best examples of 90s action films. And that's not um, meant as a negative. I actually think that's a compliment. So with, this thing never takes itself too serious. It, exactly. And I think it knows what it's dealing with and it it knows where its limitations are. And so I, I told you I, I watched Spawn from 1997. So that only came out a couple of years after that. And you want to talk about a lot of special effects and the seriousness of it and the tone. I mean, that movie is hot garbage. <laughs> but I think you hate John Leguizamo. That could be it. Actually, John Leguizamo is the best part of Spawn, in my opinion, um, which is weird to say. But I digress. Yeah. But you know, either way, Mortal Kombat, it's it's a win, right? You can appreciate it from a '90s action film, and kind of say this is a good example of what the '90s were producing for this genre. Uh, or you can kind of come back and go, it's a great time capsule for what '90s movie making was like for this type of genre too. Because even as wonky as the special effects are in some aspects. I think there's a certain charm to it. Oh, it this film definitely has a charm, and that's a good way to put it. There, and I can't tell you what that charm is, and it might be just that it's like this goofy fighting game movie that literally doesn't take itself too serious and has a four-armed character that gets punched in the nuts. Yeah. And you're like, okay, awesome. I'm on board with that. Let's go. Well, I, I don't know about you. I as soon as this movie is over, I had an immediate list of why I would sit here and recommend this film. Like I forgot how good this movie is for these reasons. So here's my, here's my list of reasons. You can, you I can, guess the number one reason. Okay. Johnny cage. He is, I, I wouldn't rank these. Okay. But he's on the list. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, but actually the number one reason <clears throat> or the number one thing that surprised me was the film has really good shot compositions. I was amazed at how well this movie is shot. So you get these little tricks where you see the henchman and Johnny Cage's sunglasses. They do that a couple of times and it's a great effect. Anytime they're filming the temple of light and you get the overview shots, the scenery and the environments, the way they film them, even for the island, they're gorgeous, man. Do you think those monks were like, well, 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 look who decided to come back. It's Luke Kang. <laughs> I think that's exactly Back what from did. the big city. Yeah. Um, but it Wearing looks, a cool jean jacket. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, it looks gorgeous, man. And, yeah. you, you know, even when they're on the island, you get some of these um, compo just composite shots where you've mm -hmm. got two characters exchanging dialogue and there's this 
gorgeous sunset going on in the background. Uh, the, the other scene I just thought was super impressive is Johnny Cage in the forest when he's starting the fight with Scorpion. It looked like mm-hmm. something a little bit out of Crouching like the, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like the, the infinity trees or whatever, where yeah. they just keep going. And the going bamboo going. Yep. and stuff. It, it looks yep. something right out of you know a Shaw Brothers film. Uh, Luke Kang standing at the bottom of the steps when he's getting ready to fight Sub-Zero. And you have that mist coming out and Sub-Zero is coming down the steps. Yeah, The monk just kind of is leaving that that whole composition again looks great. And they do a good job in this movie of, of kind of, of kind of building some mythos around Scorpion and sub zero. I think they do a good job with like the ninjas in this movie. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they, they just, I think there's a line that just says they're, they're mortal enemies, they're enemies but they, they're, yeah, slaves but he, they're being me. controlled by Shang Tsung. Yeah. Yes. And, and you get this great mystery about it, but even how they would film some of the action choreography. I mean, it is your typical American action choreography and editing, but the Johnny Cage and, and we'll talk about this in detail, but I'm just talking about the shot compositions, but Johnny Cage versus Scorpion and sort of that um, wooden bridges and fire and skulls and everything. It looks fantastic. Like the framing of the camera is really good. Paul, Paul Anderson has a good eye in this film for framing scenes. Yeah. I, yes, we will compliment Paul W.S. Anderson a lot in this because I think he, his films sometimes can be a mess, but I think visually there are aspects that you remember. I think, you know, everyone my age, you know, you know, and you, when we see that first resident evil movie, you remember that hallway with the lasers, like it has that sort of aesthetic and it has that, that, where you just remember it and you'll remember it forever. Like, like you're saying that Scorpion Johnny Cage fight, like I'll remember that forever. Yes. Um, it's, it's got a look to it. Um, you know, even as stupid as it is when sub zero holds up his hand and that spear comes out, like I remember that, like it just, it has a look and, you know, I don't think dialogue and things like that is his forte, but he definitely can create shots that are memorable. Um, and I will give him credit for that. I don't always love his films, but I do always walk away and say, you know what? There's some stuff in that that I liked. Yeah. I mean, from a photography standpoint and shot composition, the guy, the guy's got talent hundred percent. It's all over this thing. The other thing now, you, you slighted the Goro special effect. I thought it was pretty amazing for what they did. So yeah, it's just his torso is so elongated compared to the actual character because they had to have all that mechanism inside. I understand why, but and I, I thought that was cool. Like they, I thought they were intentionally. So you're right. They did it probably for the mechanics and there's a guy inside, et cetera, for two minutes suffocating. Yeah. But I thought the look of him and how, you know, add the voice in there and the arm movements and, you know, he's talking with his hands. I, I love that whole aspect of it. And even the fight scene between him and Art Lean, I was I was really scared for Art when Art got into the ring with him. I'm like, well, Art Art can take that. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Art's a guy. He's a black guy in a fighting movie. He barely has any talking. You're like, okay, this guy's in this movie. He's just so Goro can he's destroy had, him, and he and probably have his ate soul a thing. few extra or you know ramen noodles. So yeah, uh, he's not your he. I don't know. It's not like Homer Simpson got into the ring with them, but pretty close. Art's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Art because yeah. he thought, like, he saw that guy, but he really, 
he was warming up and you're like, Art, man, you probably shouldn't be wasting too much energy because it's not going to matter. So, <sighs> yeah, but uh, I still like poor, Art. Poor Art. Art's one of my R. favorites. R.I.P. Art. I like yeah. Art. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I love the Goro effect. I thought it was, as a matter of fact, I think it's the best special effect in the entire film. It's, no, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, they spent like 7% of the budget is Goro. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it looks great. I just, yeah. I do wish it worked more. So going down my list, actually, this oh, I'm is, sorry. We should, we should, he's a prince. So Prince Goro. So. Prince Goro, excuse yeah. me, Prince Goro. Uh, we'll get to Johnny Cage in a minute, but if you're, Johnny Cage is one of the best things about it, but I'll say this, Kerry Hiroki Tagawa is hands down, Yes. He's, he's the he's the best thing in this film in terms of acting. He is one of the best big screen bad guys you'll ever see. And I found this. I, I was trying to find a way to articulate what he does in this film. And so there's an online website, Arrow on the Head. I don't know if you ever go to that huh? and read it. Okay. So they said that no, they noted that every actor who has taken the role since has been compared to Tagawa, commenting that his delivery, quote, has all the cadence and embellished style like he's on Broadway, but he holds himself physically like he's just casually laying down the law. Tagawa is Shang Tsung. That yeah, I agree quote, with that 100%. Yeah, I mean, he has such gravitas in what he's saying that he believes it. And you know it's it's got a slight campiness to it, but it it does. It feels like he's on Broadway, on stage, He's being very theatrical and he sells it and you believe it. I think he's like the MVP in the acting portion of this whole thing. One of my favorite parts of this movie is I believe Raiden says it has begun. And then the next line is Shang Tsung going, it has begun. And you're like, yeah, we, I wonder if it's begun. Yeah. We, we got that on my bad side. We, yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about Johnny Cage? I wonder what that's called. Is that, is that ever a thing where like a line is repeated by two different characters, like one right after the other? Cause this takes the cake for that, that or the ad libbing gone wrong. Yeah. So, um, it has begun. You talked about Lyndon Ashby. So outside of Carrie, I would say second to that is Lyndon Ashby is Johnny Cage. He's my other favorite performance in this film. He's fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, Johnny K, except for his motivation to go to Mortal Kombat, his motivation is everyone thinks he's a phony. Dude, you're an actor. Like, we don't really think that, hey, did you know that that guy in that movie really didn't die? But it didn't, was fake. Didn't Jean-Claude go through that too, though? I mean, if you go and look at all those feuds when Steven Seagal's like, oh, Jean-Claude's just a ballet dancer. Yeah. He's, yeah. I know, you can do the Steven Seagal voice. Hey, man, I'm a really big fighter. Yeah. So. Hey, I'm going to come after you, Troy. <laughs> but he's he looks like he's having yeah, a mean, great time. He knows exactly what kind of movie he's in. And uh I think a lot of the charm of the film comes from his performance. No, yeah, you're right. Like he gets that Johnny Johnny Cage is someone that if you had to hang around with him for more than five minutes, you're like, God, this self-indulgent prick is insufferable. <laughs> but he gets it right in this movie and actually but there's also, like you said, there's a charm to Johnny Cage as well that you have to root for him. Um, and most of the time in any of the video games, he's one of the best characters um, in the roster. So, uh, yeah, Lyndon Ashby did a great job. I, I loved uh, his portrayal of Johnny Cage. Yeah, the physicality of it. I love his fight sequences. I mean, he's taken some punches. 
the guy can move. Uh, yeah. I, I just had so much fun. Every, every time he was on screen. Except he's a phony. I was smiling. He was awesome. I, now, if you talk about everybody else, everybody else is acting. Um, there's no denying everybody else is acting the shit out of their roles. I mean, they're acting. Now, Bridget Wilson thinks she's acting, but, you know, she's doing Bridget Wilson. But it it's still fun. I think everybody understands what kind of, I mean, they're looking at a script outline when you have the director going, we're doing a video game. Why don't you add lips yeah. and stuff? Yeah, just just you know what we're doing here. Yeah, they came up with a lot of stuff. The the other thing that impressed the crap out of me was the production design is pretty damn amazing for yeah, those a mid nineties cool. action film. The like that main kind of <laughs> cafeteria room where they go eat. Oh yeah, is really cool. Um, and you know, there's that fight on the beach, which is amazing looking. I mean, it's it's pretty like enter the dragon as well, but yeah. I mean, it still has a nice look to it. It's, it's really cool. The, the um, ship that takes them the to the ship, tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Outworld. Oh my gosh. You don't get to see a lot of Outworld, but mm -hmm. it's so visually impressive. You've got these creatures crucified along the side of the road, holding candles. It looks like this demented image from Spartacus. It's so cool how they put that all together. Yeah. I mean, that's a, like, it's a budgetary thing and you don't want to see Outworld too much because again, when we get to annihilation, when you spend too much in time in Outworld, you're like, ah, this is uh, not great. So, yeah, a little bit of Outworld goes a long way. It does, and and they sell it. I mean, it it's really good. But th those are just the things. As soon as the movie is over, it was like pen to paper, and it and I was surprised on how many things I. You was... didn't have the main theme on there, which so your 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 list is null and void. Oh, well, the main theme's pretty odd. Well, it's... didn't you talk about this with Livewire? The whole credit sequence where something's moving with the yeah, physical physical title screens yeah so you were probably eating this part up right yes yes because that dragon logo catches on fire and you get mortal combat within the first five seconds so well, but here's the difference like i've always loved that credit sequence the the things i was listing here were things that i totally forgot were oh, so okay. good yeah i mean th this was the list that surprised me it was oh wow i actually have something to talk about other than you know get on a zoom call with you and go, yeah, it was yeah, a lot that fun. Fight was cool. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Remember this? Yeah. I liked it when you got kicked in the face. It's pretty cool. I like that throat punch. Yeah. Th there's so much to really take apart in this film and step back and go, my gosh, it's, it's shot really well. The production design's fantastic. There's some amazing performances in here, uh, which I, th I think surprising. straight up they, they made $18 million stretch really far. Oh yeah. For the nineties. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you could, if you would have told me this film cost $50 million, I'd be like, wow, yeah, I could see that. I mean, they stretched that dollar a long way. Now, of course, there's no huge names in this. Um, no offense, Christopher Lambert. I mean, I'm sure he got paid the most to be in this film. Right. Um, but yeah, they stretched that dollar. And it, it, it definitely is surprising for 1995, watching it in 2021, that it still looks pretty good. Like it. Yeah, especially for, compared to uh, Annihilation, like it it holds up really, really well. Now, some of the stuff is a little janky. Uh, the reptile character looks like uh, you know PlayStation One video game just happened to uh, happen upon the screen. Um, actually, yep. probably worse than that. Um, well, you know, let, and, let's be honest. And for and, some reason, and for some reason, that spear coming out of Scorpion's hand has to have a mouth. It, but it looks really bad. Anytime they use computer effects, now they they use them. It's not all over the place, but mm -hmm. 
but anytime they use the computer effects, it doesn't, it didn't age well. So the stuff coming out of Scorpion's hand, reptile, you're, you're spot on. It looks like something out of a PS one game. Yep. But the cool thing about it is if you, if you look at Goro, if you look at the production design, all the other even stuff, even if you look at like, even the, like the sub zero ice thing where he kind of forms the thing and shoot, yeah. like that looks pretty good still. Like that's a cool effect. Um, so not, I mean, that's CGI. So that, but again, when you do like water and ice, it, it, you can kind of make it look cartoony and make it look okay. Um, characters are, are another, are another thing. So, well, Scorpion, after he does the fire thing. Yeah. The skull does not look great either. Well, but some of the, it, it's weird that this, the CGI is hit and miss. It works when there's a little bit of a combination with the practical effect, but when you solely rely on the CGI portion of it, like the morphing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like nineties morphing, right? <laughs> it, it looks pretty yeah. bad, but yeah, I, I'm still, I'm still amazed. Yeah. The, and, and again, if you wanted to pick this movie apart, you definitely could. Like if someone said, well, all Raiden does is explain the whole movie. You're like, yeah, he does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How That's many, okay. how many Marvel movies do that now? Well, y- yes, but I, I get it, Troy. Um, that, and, but, but that's just that's to yeah. me that's modern filmmaking. Well, eighty percent of films are are made for eighty percent of the population. Yeah, and in, in you all have movies, to dumb everything down because someone would be like, "Well, I don't get it." And you're yeah. like, if someone doesn't say, I, if someone says, "I don't get it," like then you've lost your audience, and people are afraid to lose their audience because yes. people are only going to see your movie once now. Like that's the thing; people don't go back and revisit stuff anymore. They see it once, and if they don't get it, they're like, "Well, I didn't get it. I didn't like it." Um, and again, like, again, when picking apart this movie, you know, the, the Sonya Blade character, who is one of the strongest, uh, fighters in the game, you know, she's basically a damsel in distress and Shang Tsung wants to fight her because she's the only female. And obviously a man could beat a woman in fighting. So he yeah. wants to win the tournament that way, but I don't want to hear it because I like this movie and I think it's fun. It, it if is. you want to pick it apart. I just think you're you are incapable of having fun because this movie's really dumb, but I love literally every second of this movie. Again, you get Mortal Kombat from one second, and then after that, you get an you get it at the very end. And well, hey, look, I'm on board. the The smartest thing this film does is after the setup and the concept is established, this film is just fight after fight after fight. It moves, yeah, yeah. pretty quick. Yep, yep. And yep. I, th- I think that's smart. Yeah, and, and the fight scenes aren't like overly elaborate and overly long or anything like that. They're and I find they're shot pretty be... well and you do get a few beats in the fight before there's cutting and yeah. um there's a lot of slow motion. Um but that's okay. Like I, I like I like stuff like this. I mean, we're not all movies can be the hallway scene in old boy or, you know, or, or the raid or anything like that. Like that's not, you need these films like this for other films to kind of stand out. So I'm okay with the fight choreography in this. Well, I, I think, I think it's because of, uh, Jeff Amata. So he, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I, we talked about this. I love the John Wick films. I, I love all of the, well, I'm going to jump on your head and flip around like four times and throw you. I mean, it looks cool. Don't get me wrong. Stuff they do in Sony Hong Kong. does do some of that in this movie. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> A little bit, but it's more of I'm going to I'm going to do a handstand and then grab you with my ankles and twist your head. It's not yeah. the flippy flip, 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 
and then boom, you're on the floor, right? Okay. Yes. I, I should have known the flippy flip, flip, flip. Yeah. Sorry. The flippy flip, flip, flip is what Black Widow does before okay. she throws you, right? But <clears throat> I, do you have a favorite fight scene out of this? Is it the Johnny versus Scorpion? Yeah. Yeah. It, I hate the ending of it um, because it's like he takes off the mask, Scorpion takes off the mask. Johnny Cage immediately knows that if you take off your mask and you're a skull, you're going to breathe fire. So I might as well grab this shield here. And then he cuts him and he bleeds fire. And then he cuts him again and bleeds more fire. And then he explodes. So I, I don't know the logistics of that, but okay. You needed a way to get out of the fight. I get it. But well, he gave him an autograph after it was over with. Yeah, he does. He does kind of give him his little fatality thing yeah. um, to my biggest fan. Uh, yeah. I think aesthetically that one is the coolest. There's the part where they kind of go to, scorpion's little hell place where there's bones and all that stuff um even you know they're even kind of alluding to scorpion's um kind of backstory where he was murdered and kind of sold sold his soul to like come back as scorpion um but the choreo so. the choreography is really good i mean i i like fancy acrobatic uh acrobatic fight scenes mm -hmm. but i also really appreciate more realistic fight scenes. I mean, well, yep. it, in, in true martial arts form, <laughs> kicking to the head is not the wisest thing to do. And I mean, if you watch UFC fighting, you don't see a lot of kicks to the head because your legs are at the bottom. And so you're usually kicking at the bottom because yeah. I, I mean, that's the well, fastest, the, right? You would, you would set up the, the head kick with some other things first yes. to, you know, drop the hands or do something to get them it's to not fancy flippy stuff like that. But I, I think that's where Jeff Amata does a really good job in terms of the stunt choreography, action choreography, everything else is if you look at that Johnny versus Scorpion fight, the, the punches and the kicks, they they're landing with impact and the editing's good. The composition's good. And you feel everything that's going on, which is the sign of a good fight choreography. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, yeah, you're right. Like the uh, the cadence of it is is really good. And again, you want your your choreography and your fight scenes is also for like character development too. Yeah. So you have to develop characters while you know choreographing this dance. Um, it's a hard thing to do, and you learn a lot about the characters within this fight. Well, and that, that's a great point because I think you learn a lot about Johnny Cage with this fight with Goro. Yeah, I mean, Goro doesn't even touch him. It's not drawn out, which kind of, it always surprises me because he does the splits with the little nut shot and then mm -hmm. he's like running away from him. So I, I love, I, I love Johnny Cage because of his character, but also how he handles himself in all these fights. It's yeah. Yeah. It looks good. Um, and, you, and you know, you, you think about it, you're like, well, they can't really do a really, really long fight scene with Goro. It's just, it's not in the cards. Right. So we have to figure out a way to dispose of him quickly. And it makes sense. Like, you hit me in the nuts, I'm running after you. And then I'm going to be angry. And then you're going to be able to do something. And then I'm going to fall off a cliff. And, um, well, they, they, they show off Goro with Art Lean. So, it, yeah, you don't need yeah. it at that point, especially if Prince, sorry, Prince Goro yeah. it is not going to be the main big baddie. And then I'll tell you the other fight that surprised me that is really good is Liu Kang versus reptile. Now, not the CGI reptile, but when reptile goes into that body, mm -hmm. the falls and the throws and everything that they're doing are 
spot on uh technically they look good but again you're getting a lot of force out of all of those falls and all those punches and kicks and when they're throwing each other on the wall it looks fantastic it looks really yeah. good and you feel it which makes the Shang Tsung Liu Kang fight feel a little disappointing oh um, well yeah that doesn't that climatic battle is uh so anticlimactic yeah and and then, again if you want to like tear apart the the plot of this movie, it's like Shang Tsung's standing there, <laughs> turns into yeah. to Liu Kang's brother and is like, hey, Lou, remember that time you said you'd protect me and you let me die? Yeah, that was that why, was not very good. And yeah, why like, is he not? Wait, are you my brother? Him. Yeah, that was like, dumb. That was dumb. You clearly saw the guy change into your brother. Right you know it's you. not him. Come yeah. on. No. And, and again. Liu Kang, you know that's not your little brother. Snap out of it. <laughs> no, it's. I, that's that's my complaint is after the reptile fight se- sequence etc everything that comes after that it's for dramatic purposes versus uh, a big sort of climax kung fu showdown you're not getting that well i mean i don't know how old the guy who played shang soon at the time was but he's probably not willing and able to I, he was holding his own when they when they were trading punches yeah, there he was doing pretty good probably couldn't do that for a long period of you know he can't shoot that final scene for days um it's probably not in the cards so i well, get it i I, get I, it. I think it just came down to what do you do right when you yeah. got all of the sequences and then you get to that one yeah what else what else do you do i mean i, I feel like they kind of ran out of ideas for that last one they were doing so yeah. good up to it and i think you know, the idea bank just ran, ran dry for that one. Yeah, he could have shot like a – because Luke Kang in the game shoots a fireball, so that would have been cool. He kind of does it in the in the movie where he does the punch and it kind of shows some orange coming out of it. But, you know, it would have been cool if he could have like shot a fireball at him or something. Then he fell off the pit or whatever. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not the best fight. It's not even probably – a top five fight, you know. I think the Scorpion or the Sub Zero Liu Kang fight is better. They they the should have Reptile fight is you know better. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a top because Johnny versus Scorpion and uh, Liu Kang versus Reptile. Those are my two favorites. I almost think they should have saved the bicycle kick for the finale because yeah, it, yep. it looked really good on Reptile. <laughs> I yeah, mean, when he's yeah, kicking yeah, the crap out yeah. of him. So you know you do have the allusions to the games and some of the moves and stuff like that, um, <clears throat> which I like. You know and you kind of get little allusions to like some of their fatalities and stuff, but obviously there's no real fatalities in this movie. Um, but overall, like if you, if you told me right now, like, Hey, I'm going to come over to your house and we're going to watch mortal Kombat 1995. Like, okay, I'll watch it again right now. Yeah. This is one. I mean, I watched it on blue. Uh, I don't need a 4k. I'm, I'm good with the blu-ray. Yeah, it's fine. It's, yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. You, you don't, you know, but we, we don't. I'm sure if it came out on 4K, I'd buy it. Yeah, we'd still buy it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. Oh, we didn't. We didn't even. We haven't even talked about this. The worst special effect in the entire movie is Christopher Lambert's wig. Oh, that thing is terrible. <laughs> what the fuck is going on with that wig? I don't. I don't know, man. It's. Uh, uh, actually, I, this, the best special effect in this movie is Christopher Lambert just chilling. Just hanging out and laughing and laughing. All he does is laugh in this movie. Uh, It is great. I love it. 
I, but, I do like you brought up that dialogue because I wrote that down when one character says, look, it has begun. And, and then the bad guy says, it has begun. It has begun. Yeah, it was like, okay. It has, it has begun. Our script was maybe a few pages that day. I don't know. Yeah, like, guys, you can't have this character say, it has begun. And then the bad guy go, it has begun. Yeah. Literally within it. four seconds of each other. You can't. It's like, oh, did it start? I, yeah, I think it started. I guess, it, I I guess it started. it's begun now. No, it's, it. it surprised me, man. It, it really, I, I was surprised how many things I could, after the movie was over, to kind of sit down and go, wow. I mean, I don't, I think it's a disservice to sit here and just say, Mortal Kombat 1995, it's a, it's a fun, dumb movie. It is that, but I think there's more to it. And I, I was really surprised how much more there is to it. And I, yeah. I really like the choreography. I mean... No, there's there's more meat on the bone than just hey it's dumb fun, yeah. but it is dumb fun. Uh, but it's you'll be surprised by the other stuff in the movie and just how well they kind of accomplished so much with eighteen million dollars. Again, that's not a whole lot of money, uh, especially when you're giving a million dollars to the Goro people. And Christopher Lambert is probably getting some some money in this because he's the biggest name in this film. So, so let me ask you this. It, do you think you better pay me my money? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think we have, I, I would say more of an appreciation for this because of the types of movies in this genre that have come out in the last 25 years. So you're saying in the video game genre or just like in fighting, fighting. And, and here's the thing I'm, I'm to the point now. And I know we've talked about it a little bit this year, I love what people are borrowing from the Hong Kong industry. Uh, but in, in my head, I'm thinking, yes, you're, you're borrowing all of the grace and all of the moves and all of the acrobatics, but you're not borrowing the sweat and the falls and sort of the after effects of all the grace and everything once the foot hits the face. Mm-hmm. Whereas they were doing that in Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s, and I think Mortal Kombat was doing a little bit of that as well. And today, you just get a lot of great action choreography that looks great, but you don't feel it. And I, I think this is a film. So I don't know if it's been just in uh, video game films or action movies or something of that nature. You would go back to a film like this. It's 25 years old and go, you know what? Compared to what's come out in the last 10 years, this is really good. In comp- because you you said it, this does not look like an $18 million movie for, for 1995. And I've seen $20 million movies today or $50 million movies that don't look as good as this in terms of production value in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also important to like point out that they're not taking themselves so serious. Like, yeah, that, that's a, they're that's having a big thing. like, you know, like, so I'm not going to go into this movie taking it so serious because I know they're not thinking that this is like the most serious thing in the world. And I know, like, look, The Dark Knight was a revelation to all of us and the dark and gritty and, you know, taking it super serious really made that film have some impact. But not everything needs to be The Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, and it's funny uh, seeing Shang-Chi uh, this weekend and watching Mortal Kombat, there, there's a lot of fun to be had in the choreography in both of these films, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. 
Well, what else, man? What else? What other things you want to pile on this one? I don't. We have to get to annihilation. Okay. Well, I so I'll go first. This this definitely is not a bomb. There's there's a simplicity and charm to this film that I really like. It feels like cinematic comfort food, but I'm always surprised at how good it looks. And I had a ton of fun revisiting this one, but I I, I kind of also want to point out that there's just more stuff going on here than just the dumb fun beat 'em up video game film. I I actually think there's some some good cinematography. There there's a lot of talent behind the camera that is putting some things together that the reason why this stands the test of time, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree. This is not a bomb to me either. I think there will be a lot of shots in this film that will stay with you for a long time. I remembered, and unfortunately I've seen this movie a lot, uh, but I can remember shots of this film um, just kind of bringing it up in my head. Again, the Scorpion, Johnny Cage stuff, um, even like that Temple of Light stuff at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of shots that are just really well done that stick with you in, in, in that really helps a film. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that. And I had fun watching that part or this and that. Um, so I, I get, like you said, there is way more going on in this film, but it's still dumb and fun. It, and it I, is. And I, re- is, yeah. I really, I really enjoy it. And, um, I think in the grand scheme of video game movies, I still think this is like a top five easy. I agree. 100%. Yep. yep. Yeah. It, it has it all. So two years later, they're like, man, we made all that money. So, you know, let's, let's put the same type of quality behind the camera and in front of the camera and make let's bring a everyone back. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring everybody back. Let's bring all the talent back, right? The talent, and let's invest the same type of production value and everything and make a bigger, better version of a video game movie. And we get 1997's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, right? Yes, we do. I'm super curious what the budget on this thing was. So the budget was close to double. So it was $30 million. Shut the front door. There is <laughs> no way. <laughs> there is no way the budget was double. They used Challenge. a lot of... They used a lot of computers in this one. No, I think it went up the nose or something. Maybe. Yes, there was a lot, probably a lot of cocaine. There is uh, so no way it was double the budget. Double the budget. You it need to thirty internet, million dollars. I, I looked it up like multiple places. I like, want to see no, the books on this. Be, yeah, where did, where yeah. did the money go? Someone, someone made off with ten million dollars. Uh, box office return. So it made thirty-five domestic, fifteen international. So just for context. Um, the original made 70 million domestic, 51 international. So we're getting uh, 35 this time and then 15 for around like $51 million total. Um, not great. Um, comes out November 21st, 1997. So like Troy was saying, it's like a 28-month turnaround from the original. And yeah, it comes out. Now, again, we're talking about 90s films, so I've seen literally all of these. So we have Starship Troopers comes out that month. Okay. Um, Alien Resurrection comes out that month. The Jackal. Um, the Man Who Knew Too Little, which I'm sure you love that film. You're like the only person. What, the Bill Murray film? 
Yeah, Bill Murray. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that film a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the Rainmaker. Okay. Uh, Matt, that's Matt Damon. Damon. <laughs> yep. A film called Titanic comes out November 18th, 1997, and would rule the box office for, Ever. I don't know, like 48 weeks or something crazy like, like that. Like half the year or something weird. Yeah. Uh, Anastasia comes okay. out. Fox Animation. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a... Uh, Titan A company. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don Bluth. Yeah, Bluth. That's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. Um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil and Flubber comes out. November of 1997. So, uh, I don't know. Was it a great month for film? I think it probably was. Yeah. You have Titanic and Alien Resurrection. <sighs> is that better than three? Is Resurrection better than three? Hey, I don't, I, I don't think I'll be the minority here. I like, I like them. I like yeah. all, I like all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also <laughs> I think this is crazy, but Mortal Kombat Annihilation opens number one at the box office when it is released. Makes sixteen point seven million dollars its first. Make okay, so get this: makes thirty five its Entire domestic run. run. Yeah, makes sixteen point seven its first weekend. Oh, I believe that because I was one of the ones that saw this in the yeah. theater and walked right out and told everybody stay far away from this thing. Yeah. So and then that beats out Anastasia, the Rainmaker, the Jackal, and the Little Mermaid re-release. Um, yeah. And uh, so you ready for the Rotten Tomatoes on this one? It's got to be zero. Zero? Rotten Tomatoes for this is 4% and an audience score of 25%. That Rotten Tomatoes score is too high. Too high. Too high. Too high. It should be in the zero. Is there a ne- does, does Rotten Tomatoes give it negative? Can they take away? <laughs> yeah. uh, they can't. Zero is the lowest score. And I know there are some films that are zeros, but uh, it is very hard to get anything under like... 10. So uh, this is a rarity on this show where we have something that is under 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Troy and I will both say that that is way too damn high. Yeah, it's way too high. I Full disclosure, it took me about three days to get through this whole thing. I had to watch it in about <laughs> half an hour spurts. Because again, this movie can go porno at any time. You re- just take out the fight scenes and put in people just banging and you get I don't know what they would what would they call that? They would call this like Mortal Kombat ass annihilation or something like that. And you get the porno. So there you go. I'll I'll share a fun story. So we, oh, good. we watched this like after a huge busy weekend, and I I tell my wife want to watch. She says like, oh yeah, I like the the Mortal Kombat and watch that. I'm like, great. So we watched that, but she's super tired, so she dozes in and out of the first one. And then we have lunch, and I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch the second one now. And she's like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. So she s- sits down, and, and she's awake during that one, but she slept during the first one, which I felt sorry for her on that. Yeah. So we, we should say the end of Mortal Kombat basically is Shang Tsung is defeated. Yep. They go back to the, the Temple of Light. They're celebrating, and who should show up? But Shang Khan, who is like the boss boss now. But he boss. also has bosses too. So he has daddy of, issues too. Yeah, there's a lot of like upper management going on in this movie. But uh, yeah, yeah. So boom. So literally, your your stinger, you're not stinger, but your end of the film is like, oh, we're they, doing another one. They we're set it doing up for, another one. Yeah, we're going for a sequel. Well, they're already on like Mortal Kombat three, the video game. So of course they're going to have a sequel, right? Yes. Yeah. And. I think Buzz, you know, I think they felt like, yeah, we could do this again. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. New Line knew they had a, a hit, right? Yep. 
Yep. <sighs> Director John R. Now I'm James Remar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. Director John R. Leon- Leonetti comes Leonetti, in to direct yep. this. Uh, he did Butterfly Effect 2 in 2006. I missed that one. And this surprised me. I did not know this. He directed Annabelle from 2014. Yeah, he's uh, he did a lot of James Wan's uh, cinematography. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Surprised me. I know. Uh, we we get a couple people coming back for the sequel. We get. Hey, also, guess what? what? He was also the cinematographer for Hot Shots Part Two. What? Well, okay. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't see that. But that's amazing. Yep. God, Hot Shots Part Two is such a good film. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I love that film. Uh, Robin Show comes back as Liu Kang. Um, who else we get? Uh, what's Soto our, comes back. Soto as comes up as yeah Katana. We get uh, Sandra Hess. Sonya Blade. Yep. Lynn Red Williams is Jax. And and here we go. We Christopher Lambert was not available. We get James Remar as Raiden. Yep. So it's like your stepdad coming in. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, if you've ever seen a Walter Hill film, you've seen James Remar. So Warriors, etc. Yep. Uh, I like James Remar. Don't get I me do. wrong. He's he's a but great actor. It's, it's weird <laughs> that all these people just jump ship. And, and I love it. They all said, yeah, we read the script and we weren't coming We're back. We're out. We're out. Um, Brian Thompson is now your villain as Shao Kahn. I, the only, anytime I see this guy, I immediately think of Cobra from 1986. Yep. That's yep. the role that is cemented in my brain as Brian Thompson. I can't, I can't think of anything else's filmography except Cobra 1986. Uh, I, what? He's got a face. He does. He's got a face. Ooh, it's, it's a memorable face, but it's it is. a face. Imada does not come back for this one. However, stunt coordinator duties go to Pat E. Johnson, and fight choreography goes to Robin Show. Robin Show. yep. Yep. And here's some interesting facts. So there's some famous stunt people on this, all right? Ray Park. Ray the Body Park, yep. Yep, is the fight double for Raiden. So when James Remar is doing all the flippy flips and kicks and stuff like that, it's actually Ray Park. Kenji Tanagaki is Scorpion. Do you know who this person is? You know that I don't. Not off the top so of my head. So we've talked about I'm him a couple times. He works with Donnie Yen a lot. Flashpoint, okay. Fat Dragon. Okay. He's a very, very accomplished fight choreography. Uh, and this one surprised the crap. My, my mouth dropped on the floor when I read this. I never knew this. The stunt double for Robin show uncredited. So when Robin show couldn't do some of the moves was none other than Tony jaw. I saw that. That's freaking amazing, man. Yeah. So what's it on paper on now it's missing Jeff Amata, which I think is a, a huge, it's, it's, it's clear, clear that they're missing him that the movie. reason why the first Mortal Kombat fight choreography and stunts and everything were so good is because of Jeff Amata. But even without him, to have Patty Johnson, Robin, Robin Show, Ray Park, Kenji Tanagaki, Tony Jaa—I mean, you, you've got some players in the stunt world on this thing, kind of up and comers—and ooh, not not uh, not looking so good, man. Not looking so good. Yeah. This movie is a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. It starts off so purple 
And there's so many people doing flips in the air that it's, I don't understand what they're doing. Man, they're you just, would think I would love this film because it's raining ninjas. It's raining ninjas. And when, Hallelujah, it's, it's raining ninjas. Yes, if it's raining ninjas, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to love this film. How do you start a movie? Okay, time out. Yeah. We should write a movie called Raining Ninjas right now. I think so. Uh, yeah. So let's copyright it, 2021 okay. Raining Ninjas. Yes, but, not a bomb. Yeah, not a bomb. Uh, yeah, I, I when it starts raining ninjas, I'm like, I'm in, man. I'm in. Let's go. We're going to start punching ninjas. None of it. You just have ninjas in the background waving their hands like they're going to do something. Yep. And flipping, but they don't do anything. Yep. They don't. They they're don't. like doing the NPC thing in video games, where they're just kind of standing there and like, well, they're, know, they're, they're watching doing, the fight. Yeah, but their animation is just repeated over and over. In the in the '60s, the Shaw Brother films, when like one guy would rush in at a time, yeah. and the other guys are in the back just yeah. moving. That's what these ninjas are doing. I'll I'll tell you where this thing went wrong, right out of the gate. Used a different actor for Johnny Cage, and then you kill him in the first five minutes of the film. Yeah. Fuck yep. you. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. That's it. Well, I mean. Nope. Right there. First five Lam- minutes. Uh-uh. Christopher Lambert didn't come back either. So I was already. I can out. get behind James Remar. Don't you Lam- say that. Troy. Don't say words you can't take back. I Troy. can do that. But when you <laughs> take the best thing. Because you. Uh, okay. I know Carrie's not coming back because he was defeated in the first film. Yeah. But you you couldn't get the best thing of the first one back in terms of that actor, and then you kill my favorite character out of Mortal Kombat, I'm done. Yeah. So I, I always was wondering, and we're going back to the first one, when they come out and they're like, hey, you sorcerer, are they using that kind of as a slur? Because they always, when they say call someone a sorcerer, it always feels kind of gross to me. It's like, like an come insult? on, sorcerer. Yeah, like an yeah. insult. Like it, they're kind of a slur. I'm like, mm. In this one, is- I, so I... I tried really hard to write down what this movie's about. Okay. So I'm going to give it a stab. Okay. All right. I'll help you fill in the gaps. Okay. So first part of the movie. Okay. Liu Kang has to search out members of the village people by riding in a hamster ball so he can learn how to tap into his animality or something, which is basically like a 90 CGI dragon. Yeah. While Sonya goes to find the Tin Man Jax. So mm-hmm. that's the first part. Yep. And the second part of the movie, okay, I've full disclosure, I have no idea what's going on. So something about the mom and they have to caress each other or something. Sin- the mom and the daughter to close Sindel, the gate. Sindel is the mom okay. of I think the stepmom. Katana. Katana. Yeah. They gotta hug um, or caress each other in the temple. Yeah. Which and, Molina is also in this movie, but they never call her by her name. She's the girl with the size. Oh, okay. Sonya Blade fights in the mud. There's a mud fight. In this There's a mud movie, fight. Yeah. So they got to They got to close the gate. But then the lady CGI version of Goro and a half horse guy get in Shiva. the way. Shiva and Mutaro. Okay. And the, uh, so here's the thing. I think at some point I nodded off. And then I was watching two monsters from Sega Genesis game, Altered Beast, which was a 16 <laughs> yes, yes, bit yes. graphics game. They yes. were fighting each other. So then I had to rewind and force myself to watch the parts. I snoozed through, but I still couldn't figure it out. And then everybody does all these unnecessary flippies and the good guys win. And the two towers have been restored or something. That's so there is a shot of the, yeah. the twin towers. Um, That's what this movie's about. To be fair, to be fair to this movie, to be fair. No. An article and a lot of research I saw 
what happened in this film is and why it looks unfinished is because the print you are seeing is unfinished. They test screened the unfinished print to a test audience. Mm-hmm. The test audience loved it. Loved it? Loved it. Loved That's it. what it says. They said, and they the studio felt like, we don't need to invest any more money into this thing. Let's put it out. So the effects are not final. The editing was not final. But the test audience liked it enough that the studio felt like, let's go ahead and put it out now. We don't need to put any more money into it. Yeah. The- so to be fair, the effects team probably was, you know, that's not the final pass on those. So a test audience liked watching them go through hamster wheels or hamster balls, hamster balls, tunnels under. Wow. Using the earth's airflow. Hot air. Yep. It doesn't. Yeah. So I want to know who was in that test audience because those people should never decide anything ever. Nor should they procreate. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. There's a line from Sonya to Jax when he's like, I wonder like, who they've, no, I'm not even going to say yeah, that no, joke, we, so I'll keep yeah. it going. <laughs> so Jack's like, I don't know what's going on. I got these metal arms. I don't, what's yeah. going on? And and she's like, I can't explain what's going on. But we're going to walk through this desert for 17 <laughs> hours, but I can't tell you what's going on. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I can't either. I can't explain what's going on either. And, and I was there for the first movie, unlike Sonya. <laughs> or whatever her name is in this one. What, what's her name again? Oh. Uh, Sandra Hess. Sandra. Sandra, Sandra Hess yes. wasn't in the first movie, so it makes sense she wouldn't know what's going on. She wouldn't know. She wasn't. She wasn't there. She wasn't yes. in there. Yeah, but I never thought I'd say this. I I was missing Bridget Wilson's acting so bad. Like yeah. I wanted her back so bad. Who and the and the orchestra well, score is terrible in this thing. Like the music is terrible outside of the intro theme yeah, song. Yeah, you get the Immortals back again. Yeah. They're getting their money's worth. Uh, you know, the, this also marks the mortal sin of talking about characters that never make an appearance. They talk about Cabal and Stryker. Yeah. Who, uh, Stryker is the policeman and Cabal is like a, a nomad character. And they just talk off about them. And then you get a character that no one cares about. He's the orange ninja guy. That's Ermac. You get Ermac throughout this whole movie. Now, for people who don't know, Ermac is like not a great character. And is he, he the really one Jax was fighting? Uh, or is that the yellow ninja guy? No. Jax fought Mutaro, right? Didn't he say, I'll take Mr. Ed? Yeah. So he, bought, he fought Mutaro. No, I'm talking about when they were in the lab and... No, that's Cyrex. So that's a robot. So (laughs) that wasn't a robot. Yes. So that was the robot from that Walter Hill film, Supernova. So the Lin Kuei, who is uh, Sub Zero's kind of clan, what decided just just play along. Okay. I'm going to explain some Mortal Kombat lore to you. They decided that they were going to enhance themselves robotically. So you have like Smoke and Sector and Cyrex all turning into robots. They were ninjas, and then they all turned into robots. Sub-Zero didn't want to do that, so he didn't. Um, so that's why he is not a robot. Um, so that yes. sounds cool. Like you said, yeah. ninjas turning into robots. I'm in. Yeah. Yep. Why was it not cool in this film? Yeah, it's not. And then you have you have Sub-Zero. <laughs> For Sub-Zero five minutes. Sub-Zero yells suckers at people and then disappears. He goes, sucker. No, no, no. That was that was Scorpion. Yeah, Scorpion Scorpion. yelled that at Sub Zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And then Sub Zero does that for five minutes, and then yeah, and Sub Zero does that disappearing Batman thing. I mean, he, yeah. he doesn't come back to the film at all, right? Yeah, there's a mm, okay, and then also uh, who's Luke the villi- who's to- the village person guy? Oh, uh, Nightwolf. Nightwolf yeah. is actually kind of cool. Like that morphing was not terrible. What? I'm trying to be nice. I'm what? trying to be nice. <laughs> it's pretty bad. No, no, no. It's for this terrible. Movie, yeah. It, dude, it's better than the Baraka mask that someone got at a goddamn Halloween store. <laughs> Baraka with the dude with the, yes, the blades. Yes. Holy shit. I someone is better. wearing a Halloween it's mask. It's not better. It's terrible. So it's terrible. One of the plot points of this film, and I know we're all over the place because this film's all over the place, but anyway, play along, uh, is Luke Kang has to go through like three like vision quests. One's a porno. I don't think that he ever goes through a third one. I think he just does two of them, correct? Yeah, and then he, I, he bails because he's yeah he's going to go yeah. with the chick he's going to do the porno yeah. with, Jade. Jade. Yeah, he finds Jade. Yeah. And then she, for some reason, turns Bad? She double crosses evil him. and yeah. this plot is kind of confusing. Troy, I don't know. There's Babe. a lot of family issues going on. And oh dude. Shao Kahn has big daddy issues. Yeah. And, and, uh, Shinnok is his dad, which Shinnok in the games is he's an elder God, but not Shao Kahn's father. Okay. It's weird. And the elder gods is like a fire and some water that talked to Raiden. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. It's weird. Yeah. What does every good martial arts movie need? Mud wrestling between two girls. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I bet you that test audience was a bunch of 12-year-old boys. And that's why they thought it was perfect. Yeah. And that fight's not even all that great. And then and then Jax fights up again. A screensaver comes up on the yeah. screen. You know, he punches like it. The, gar- the gargoyle things are not. They don't look good at Terrible. all. They look worse than Reptile from 95. Um, the, the only sequence I can... So the only compliment I could give this film Watch is, what you say because you can't take back your words. I know. So in the laboratory when she's trying to free Jax and he's fighting uh-huh. the ninja robot. And she's I believe going, that's Cyrax. Okay. And she's fighting all the ninja henchmen. When they cut to her and all of the choreography and the action sequences happening there, it looked really good. So that part was done pretty well. Decent. Decent. Uh, it now that's the only compliment I get. So that surprise. Here's what shocks me is you said the budget on this thing was like twice as much, Twi- yeah, thirty million dollars, twice as much. So I verified that. Like I, I usually kind of go through and try to find not on Wikipedia because sometimes that's wrong. Um, the reported budget, everything I said, everything I found said. $30 million. Yeah. If I was you, like, wait, no way. Yeah. No way. It if was like had, 3 million. <laughs> no. If you asked me, this movie looked like it was using one of the producer's credit cards and he had a like $2,500 max credit limit on it. And they stayed under that limit in filming this film. <laughs> That's what this movie looks like. Someone is literally wearing a Halloween mask in this film. It, Baraka, the guy we're playing Baraka is wearing a Halloween mask. And all the, are they, they cleared out like whatever spirit Halloween's ninja section. Because yeah. that's terrible. And I feel like Cyrax is wearing like uh, catchers, like equipment and stuff too. Like, yeah, yeah it's I, bad. And I love bad movies. I, I really do. But man, you could give me all the alcohol in the world and it would not make me appreciate much less laugh or make fun of this thing. It, It's one of those bad movies that as it's going, 
you know minutes of your life are just escaping at that point <laughs> and you're and you start questioning your your choices in life because you've got 90 minutes of this what are you doing those 90 minutes yeah. you could be saving kittens um feeding you know the the hungry and and the homeless uh this thing's terrible terrible yeah it's not great it's real bad um and Brian Thompson, show, man. Brian Thompson is is as Shao Kahn He's kind of doing a like a like a Shakespearean play on the character a little bit. Like is he's he? very kind of. It feels like it's. I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's it's all not these good. Tough speeches, and then he's looking back at his dad, and he's like, "Is that is that good? Is that, are you proud of me? Yeah. I mean that yeah. that's his whole motivation. I got to make dad proud. Which I get. You know, you want to make your parents proud. Good for you, but maybe not in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> maybe I not don't know. I it just. I don't. I I literally thought Tabitha when I I swear I closed my eyes for like five minutes and when those CGI monsters show up and they're hitting each other I'm like did Tabitha change the channel on me What the hell happened <laughs> <laughs> And I, and as soon as the movie was over I'm like okay I have to go back unless you can explain it to me why we went from I think he was fighting the horse and then I know it dozed for like a couple minutes next thing he knows Jax was fighting the horse Jax was fighting Yeah I don't I don't know what happened Mr Ed. I don't know Please. what happened. I don't know what happened. Yeah, because she goes, and then I'll fight my mother, and then Sonia Boyd goes, I don't mind leftovers, and fights Ermac, I believe. <laughs> Is that the guy who split, split in two? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. We'll, and then we'll Jax had to go over and help her out. Yeah, and then I think. There's something about women in Mortal Kombat films. Like, they can't do anything on their own, so they yeah. Jax has yeah, to come in to- and help her out. Yeah. There's a scene also where Raiden is walking through like something and three ninjas come after him. But I think he only fights two of them. You mean Tony Jaw fought him? Oh, yes, yes. Because yes, he was Tony doing some ja. flippy kick moves yeah. in there too. That was Tony Jaw. Or was that Ray Park? Uh, Who did, Tony, did Tony Jaw do Liu Kang? Did, I thought Ray Park did. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Ray Park was Raiden. <laughs> yes. 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 Got it. Sorry about that. Yes. Didn't, didn't mean right. for the inaccuracy there. But yeah, I, I would hate to get anything about a Mortal Kombat Annihilation wrong because obviously the production people did not get anything wrong when they made this movie. So um, I would love for somebody to write in and defend this piece of shit. I, really I don't would. think you can because, like, like you said, I love bad action movies. This is boring. Yeah, it's boring. Like, I will watch any sort of you know, Ninja three samurai cop, you know, any of those sort of films, those are fun. Uh, Miami connection, if you will, Miami connection uh, had better acting than in this. Yeah. Film, which yeah. is when that guy's, crazy. you know, searching for his father, he's, you know, selling it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, this, this movie's so hard to talk about cause it's so bad. And I, I could not ever, 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 recommend anyone attempt to watch this movie i um, can honestly say i will never see this film again in my lifetime i think i'm done i think four <laughs> yeah, times I'm, is probably enough this will be my uh, second because i remember seeing it in the theater and going what what <laughs> but um yeah i'm officially done watching this movie. i i saw this in the theater and i remember telling my because i was like, like 14 years old and at that time when you're going to the theater nothing was bad you you would literally talk yourself into liking anything because your parents let you go. They gave you what, you know, a $20 bill. And at that point in time, you got a ticket, popcorn and a Coke and you were set. And you had money for video games. 
Yeah, and I got to play. Yeah, and I got to play Mortal Kombat three on in the arcade before the movie started. And I remember walking out, and my mom like, "How was it?" And I and I said, "You know what? I think that might be the worst movie I've ever seen." And I could feel her disappointment for me because she knew that I was just some dumb kid who loved Mortal Kombat at the time. So, um, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was disappointed and 38 year old Brad is still disappointed and it hasn't changed. Um, you know, I thought it was a yeah. good idea at the time because when we were talking Mortal Kombat, I'm like, well, let's go back and watch Annihilation. Cause I hadn't seen it since the theater. And I remember it being terrible, but in my, my older age, I'm like, well, maybe it's so terrible that when I watch it, I'll be laughing at it and having fun. I wasn't laughing at this thing at all. It, it really was just like, oh my God, it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. You're just waiting for people to take their clothes off and just start going at it. Cause I don't, like, well, you, you, this I is mean, definitely a porno. This is a like porno parody. Yeah. After the mud fight, Jax is like, oh, you look really good in mud. And she's like, oh, yeah. Jax, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then oh, you're my, just like, okay, that was pull that weird. hog out and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not thinking that at all. Oh, nope. Mm-mm. I, I was thinking how many more minutes do we have left of yeah, this I, thing? I, I will again, full disclosure, Three times I had to this like half an hour at a time. I was like, yeah, I couldn't do that though, because if I'd watched thirty minutes and knew I had an hour left, oh yeah, then you'd just be dreading. I the day I would uh, no, I knocked it yeah. out. I was fine with that. So bomb, yes, a okay. total bomb. Right, just yes. make sure. Uh, here's a question for you: Is this the worst one we've done? Uh, Solar Babies is better. Yes. By a mile. Last Action Hero is a way better. Oh, my than God. Last Action. I, I love Last Action Hero compared to this. I'm trying to think of a, any other movies that really agitated it. This is. I'm, try, I'm trying to is, think of films that we both agreed are total bombs. This is terrible. I don't know. Oh, yes. I, I'm going to say it right now. It is the worst movie we've seen. There you go. It's oh. the worst. Absolutely the worst. You don't even have to look it up, Brad. We both know it's the worst. Okay, I just want to confirm, man. I'm just I'm just making sure. Yeah. Supernova? Supernova. Is better than this. Agreed. Yes. So Mortal <laughs> Kombat Annihilation now holds the yeah. distinct honor of being yep. not a bomb's worst film ever discussed. Because even the robot and so you just explained ninja robots, and I'm like, oh, this movie has ninja robots. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> God. No, it has a guy in a spirit Halloween suit. Yeah. There's a lot of Halloween costumes in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Mutaro. Boy, Mutaro. That yeah. horse. They could not do that. I mean, there's a reason why they don't show the horse part. Because he's a centaur. He has they a scorpion the- tail on a horse, yeah. right? Yeah. And he yeah. uses that a couple times. Yeah, and that was one of his moves. Like, he was always... It's funny because, like, <clears throat> Goro was always the person you fought before. No, I guess Goro was the last person you fought in one. In two, it was Shang Tsung or Shao Kahn. So, okay. Yeah, I think Motaro might have been. Look, we have spent yeah, way anyway. too much time on this. This thing's a bomb. Ermac. Ermac is in this movie. That should be all that you need to know. Like, no one knows who Ermac is. No one cares. Yeah, terrible. All right. Well, that was fun. We got two movies yeah, out of the way. 
there you go. It was fun. Our first well, time we've got, ever done. We got a movie away and then uh, an atrocity against all humankind. Yeah. We, we got sh- that out of the way. apologize and tell people don't watch that yeah. movie. And please, again, this is not one of those films where you're like, oh, they hate it so much, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking to people like Kevin. Jose. And that Jose. Means you don't go out, out and buy some Yeah, out come of on, print. man. Guys, yeah. you're just, you're making the problem worse. Um, I will say I only own Annihilation digitally. That's yeah. So I don't have to have it up. So no one knows I actually own it. <laughs> got a nice Blu-ray copy. Nice. I'll uh, give away. I'll pay somebody to take. So Brad, we're going to continue the month of September talking about uh, movies based on video games. So I get to pick, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So the list, it's really short, not a lot out there to choose from, but I found one. I found one I was going to talk about. And this one's kind of interesting because if you were to look on paper, you go, Troy, you're crazy because the amount of money that this thing made, it, that is 100% not a bomb. But when we talk about it, it has such a fascinating and interesting sort of behind the scenes uh, story to it. It it costs the studio some change, right? So we are going to talk about Warcraft. Have, yes. Have, have you seen it, Brad? I have. I've seen this movie. Um, it's based on World of Warcraft, but they decided to just call the film Warcraft, yep. um, which I find strange. This is actually um, Duncan Jones directed this, which from 2016, you know, which is he's was at one point in my time, like a director where I was like, oh, anything he puts out, I am seeing immediately. Moon. after Moon's amazing. Moon. Yeah. Moon. Yes. Yes. Um, source code. I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, people don't know he's David Bowie's son. So anyway, yes. but we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Warcraft. Warcraft. World of, did you ever play World of Warcraft? I did not. I didn't. I am not a PC gamer. Okay. Console. I Yeah. Console only. Yeah. Okay. Well, yep. we're going to have fun talking about that one because uh, I saw it in the theater and I've been really wanting an excuse to go back and revisit it. And when you mm-hmm. kind of threw this idea out there. Actually, when you threw this idea out here, this was the first movie that came to mind for me, simply because the more I read about it at the time that it was released, it kind of boggled my mind, uh, how it performed over here, how it performed internationally, and then when the dust settled, um, what the numbers looked like, and then also what the critical response was, I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I just, I, I think I remember this being what I thought would be successful, but the money spent is uh, crazy, 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 crazy. Yes. Okay. So Brad, if anybody wants to get a hold of us and share their thoughts on mortal Kombat, or if they were one of the unlucky few who saw mortal Kombat annihilation and want to tell us how right we are on how bad that movie is, how do they get a hold of us? That's not a bomb pot at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can reach out to us there. We had a nice international response to the outlaws, which was nice to see. Yeah. Um, I figured that was happening. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, our first, well, no, I can't say first four person pod cause we had another one, but, uh, it was nice to, uh, you know, expand and have two more people that love the genre and we could kind of point people in a direction if they wanted to dip their toe in Korean cinema. I, uh, I liked doing that. Um, you know, we broke our rules, but, they're not sacred. We're we're okay with everyone. We're in very a while. flexible Point. with the rules. Yes, yes. Um, I want to say, you know, I know people 
listen to our podcast um, and reach out to us and tell us. They say like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't just start at the newest one. I have to start at the beginning. Um, a few people have kind of reached out and said, you know, I have to start at the beginning. I just found your podcast, but I have to start at the at the very beginning. Um, so I appreciate that. You know, we're honored that you would want to spend two hours with us or however long um, a week. Um, check out our other stuff that we do, like Not a Bomb Watches, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I'm enjoying doing that show. Um, and I just, you know, people listen to our stuff and I'm honored that you do that. And, you know, I take pride in, in hoping that, you know, we help you through whatever. So yeah, it's been add on to that. It's been fun. I, I got to say we, we did the four person. I think it was with Josh and Jenny from VHS files podcast. Jenny Lou. Yep. Yep. And we tried it again last week. I think, I think we'll try it again. Uh, we are, have, we've been asked to come on a couple of other different podcasts and shows, and we might start doing that now since our schedule's starting to free up a little bit. So if we happen to show up on another podcast, we'll let you know about it. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, if you're not listening to us, please go check out the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema. Sammy comes and visits once a week and talks cowboy bebop with us on not a bomb watches. Check out the Backlook cinema podcast with Zach and Zoe. It's a lot of fun. Uh, our good, good Good, good, good friends at the VHS Files podcast. And Josh has some videos that he's putting up there in terms of unboxing reviews. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, he's doing really well. That yeah, guy's got he's good uh, on camera. He's, yeah, really he's got good tons of charisma, man. I, I just love watching and listening to him. But like Brad said, we're super appreciative that you come and check us out. I can already tell. You know how bad Mortal Kombat Annihilation is? I felt excited talking about the first one. And now since we talked about that, I had to revisit in my head that film. I feel drained. Yeah. My spirit's gone, man. It's not. It's not great. Yeah. It zapped me. Anyways, thank you. Sorry for sorry for annihilation, guys. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but no, listen, thank you for downloading. Thank you for participating in the conversation. Send us your thoughts, ideas of what films that we should cover. We're starting to put stuff together for 2022 already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I always said, I don't know if you're you're downloading and listening in the morning, afternoon, or evening. I hope you're having an awesome day. Come back and join us next week as we do uh, part two of our video game series and we tackle Warcraft. Don't lose your head. <laughs>